Well, we were averaging about a 4.3, 4.4 review, and we started to get hundreds of them. And boy, that, that was a game changer. And then we were able to get some good notoriety. I mean, we were on, we got a lot of press. That's another question that in your business, in your, whether you have a service or a business or whatever it is that you're going to go out and compete with, can you get press? Will the media pay attention to you? I mean, I don't, you're probably too young for this, but they came out with a product years ago called the Pet Rock. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Paul Taggart. If you missed part one, please go back and listen to his background in real estate and helping start OGO bags and the airlock bike locks. But we ended off, Paul, talking about PMD and essentially like the beginning of devices coming into the beauty industry, like consumer devices. (laughs) And the story where we left people in the cliffhanger was great idea looks like there's a big opportunity and then find out there's patent infringement, there's infighting, there's impatience, the third-party validation wasn't there, and you just went and put two th- you know, 1,800 units in a warehouse and, and closed it down. So yeah, we let, just tanked it. Let's pick it up from we tanked the business, put 1,800 units in a warehouse, to you know, what's the turnaround when we start headed towards this millions and millions of dollars you guys have done since then? Well, you know, this, this really is a, one of those fairy tales it's, it really is like a fairy tale story. I mean, it's a lot of work, but you know, this is 2004, 2005. The real estate market was going nuts. Remember, this was the time when, prior to 2007, where the bubble burst. You know, all of the savings and lo- or the the mortgage companies and people they all went out of business. If you anybody who was doing anything in real estate in 2007, it was like either be bankrupt or go play golf because you can't do anything. All right. So this is 2008. We 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 actually moved to California from Park City, went down there to to participate in the boom, and in 2008 the bubble burst and we lost a lot of money. And I invested in a another company that totally that's a completely different story it was a anyway called fat bottom line that was the name of the company and that went broke lost a lot of money and came back to salt lake city with my tail between my legs you know just like unreal pain you know i i bought a a little saturn at a junkyard for 1300 dollars on my credit card and drove it home that was my car and I took four hours to clean it because it was so filthy, dirty, sitting in the junkyard. So I'm coming back. I, now what am I going to do? I got a wife and kids, and it's like you just lost, you know, <laughs> more money than you know, know what to do with. It's like, wow, this is nuts. Well, I, and all this time I knew I had this microdermabrasion tool sitting in a warehouse, and what are we going to do with it? Well, I had a phone call from a, f- a friend of mine. Uh, he was I was helping him w- with a business, and he said, we're tanking the business. It's not going to work. And he said, so, Paul, good luck. You know, I don't know what you're going to do now, but, you know, best of luck. And during that conversation, it was like a lightning bolt hit me, and it says, good, good. Now you can go do the microderm product. Now you can go do the personal microderm. And it's like, because those guys were out, and they weren't going to fight you. I don't know why. It was just a revelation. I mean, it really was a revelation. It was like, good, now you can do the microdermabrasion. It's like, what? 
So it's like, it's time. I really think it was an inspirational thought. And I believe that. And so I called my buddies in Atlanta and I said, look, we got $1,800. And these, this guy's a really good guy and, you know, very ethical, wonderful person. And I said, Eric, look, would you mind if I just take this and run with it? And I said, look, I promise you, if it's successful, I'll make it worth your while. And that was it. I said, but I need you to release it, release everything to me, and I'll just take it. And if it works, you know, it'll work out good for you and, and for all of us. If it doesn't, I'll take the risk. And he said, okay. So, you know, we wrote up a little agreement, and I started testing. I said, well, I got to get packaging. I got to get photographs. I've got to find out and prove the concept. I've got to prove the concept because it never really was prove, proven. In fact, we'd failed. I got to work out the patent. So I contacted the patent owners in Nevada and, you know, got with them and arranged to buy the patent or give them a royalty and eventually buy the patent. I got that side of it done. So I went to work saying, if I'm going to resurrect this thing, I got to go out and make it happen. And so, you know, something I learned a long time ago in an early on social media symposium, this would probably have been, I don't know, 2009, 2010. A guy said, look, very simple. On the internet or with social media or any kind of product, you got to do three things. One, you got to say, here's what I got. Well, with this product, it's new, innovative. Nobody knows what it is. Some people do, but not very many people. The general public get microderm at a doctor's office. That's for kind of wealthy people or more affluent people. So here's what I got. Here's what it'll do for you. And here's what I want you to do next. That's it. If you can communicate that very clearly, here's what I got. Really, here's what I have, and here's what it'll do for you. Wow, it'll really do that for me? Whoa, okay, I'm interested. You got my attention, and here's what I want you to do next. So we've got to demonstrate that with our packaging, with our communication. And, you know, remember, I didn't have a lot of money. I just I was in debt up to my eyeballs and scrambling. So I, I literally went down my mom's basement. She, had, My mom was, you know, she's passed away now, but... You know, she let me, she had a, a daylight basement, and I went down there and just went to work. How old was she at the time? She was probably 81, <laughs> 82. Yeah. And I said, okay, I've learned so many things from making so many mistakes and had some good successes that I got to do this right. I'm going to own it. No one else is going to own it. I'm going to control it. I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm going to get third-party validation. I'm going to work out the patent issue. So if I do have knockoffs, which we probably will if we're successful. I can defend myself, right? And I'm going to go slow. And so, and we do have the internet. So we could put out videos. We could demonstrate how to use this, right? So we did that. And, and I also went to this Dr. Taylor at the Gateway here in, in Salt Lake. He's probably one of the top dermatologists in the world. And he's really good, very well known. And I had him do tests, before and after pictures, and get third-party validation. We went to a few doctors and said, I want you to test this against your $15,000 machine in your office. And he came in and said, came back and he said, you know what? Essentially, this works the same as my $10,000 machine. And it was like, cha-ching, wow, that's big. And I said, are you willing to say that on, on video? Yeah, we're willing to do that. So I started selling them. You know, just testing them. And they didn't look great. They weren't the best. And we had problems with the discs. And women would be too aggressive. Actually, can you talk about this for one second? You know, 
you know, this idea, I think we, I think it was on the last episode when you're saying, you know, essentially you're, you're stimulating blood flow, you're stimulating collagen growth in skin, make it look better, but they can overdo it and burn their skin basically by that, the little thing on the end that, it's, that rubs it's, too much it's or whatever, aluminum right? oxide. It's aluminum oxide and they come in different sizes. Okay. And now there's like 10 different gradations, really, really coarse. They're very, very, very soft. Anyway. So my question for you is specifically with that, where you need to do both overcoming objections and training, like training your customers. What did that look like? Well, we would put like neon warning, warning, warning. Do not use this until you've watched the training video. And we sent a CD in every packet. A, a little DVD in every packet and said, watch this. Do not use this unless you've watched the video. Well, most people didn't do that. Most people don't. They don't do that. They don't read the instructions. If you look at this new boxing, if you open this up, the very first thing that you see in this new box is how to use it <laughs> and the gradations. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is like you can't even get in the box without seeing all this. I mean, it was a problem, Jess. And, you know, and there are two types of things. There's a dermabrasion and there's microdermabrasion. Dermabrasion is going deep where you're literally raw. Your skin is raw for about 10 days. And the doctor has you put salve all over it. But only doctors do dermabrasion. Microdermabrasion is much more superficial. But with some of these, the coarsenesses of, of the skin, everybody has different kinds of skin. Some people have leather for skin. Some people, you barely touch it and it starts bleeding. And so for those women, they would get this and overdo it and they'd get scabbing. And it's like, well, okay, good. You got scabbing and they're freaking out. You know, whoa, my skin's all scabbing. And you're going, just settle down. In a week, it's going to look great. (laughs) You just did dermabrasion, which is what the doctor would do. But it's not going to scar. It's not going to hurt you. Your skin's going to heal and it's going to be brand new skin. And but for a woman who's freaking out, that's kind of hard to explain to them. So that was a challenge. That was a big challenge. Again, growth was a challenge with this. You know what I like about that on the packaging right there is there's this. I'm a real audiobook nerd. Okay, so there's this audiobook called Nudge. Well, it's a book too, but where they talk about like giving people free will, but also like trying to do your best to send them the right direction. Right. He's like, you know, you look at the illogical things that humans do. Like, why can't we, why can't we try to help them do a better version? He's like, you know, most university professors get their job before they're married. And so on their 401k, they name like their mom as the beneficiary. Well, 38 years later, when they're, when they're finally done 26, whatever it is, most of them have not gone back and put their spouse on there. Wow. Mom might not even be around anymore. She's still the named beneficiary. What do you know? You know? Or it's like they did these things of like kids at cafeterias. If they would just change the orders of the food and put the vegetables first yeah. and put the unhealthy foods at the end, out of complete free will, kids would choose a lot more vegetables. And so like, you know, we don't need to take people's choices away, but can't we do things to lead them to make the best choice for themselves? Right. Yeah, you isn't know? that fascinating? And so what's interesting is right there, like you literally can't physically get the device out until you've gotten past those like, and I like that you did, I like that you did illustrations, you know, that you've got icons that it's like at a glance, you know, without reading a single word, I was already picking up right. what some of that stuff was. You've kind of like, you've kind of done a little bit of that for people where you're like, you're making it difficult for them to make too big of a mistake. Right. Well, and that was, we were trying to make this idiot proof. 
as best we could. And, you know, it was a challenge and I, I th- it's way better now. And a lot, now most, a lot of people know what microdermabrasion is because it's super popular. So, yeah. but you know, it was a very big learning experience to be able to demonstrate the product explain it in such a way that people would use it safely and, and find results. And so what happened is, is, is we did put this on the internet and the, the third party validation is the general public. What's it doing for me? You, you tell them, here's what it'll do for you. It's like, will it really, will that really do this for me? And so we started getting reviews and you know, how many four and five star reviews can you get? Well, we were averaging about a 4.3, 4.4 review and we started to get hundreds of them. And boy, that, that was a game changer. And then we were able to get some good notoriety. I mean, we were on, we got a lot of press. That's another question that in your business in your, whether you have a service or a business or whatever it is that you're going to go out and compete with, can you get press? Will the media pay attention to you? I mean, I don't, you're probably too young for this, but they came out with a product years ago called the pet rock. I don't know. It was a pet rock. I was like a little kid when that came out. Yeah, it was a rock. And they sold millions of them, you know, because they got press. The press got a hold of that. Ogio, we were in Playboy magazine. I mean, they used to do Johnny Carson. They used to do new products for the year. Well, the OGO bag was on Johnny Carson. It was on Good Morning America. It was on, it was in Playboy magazine, other magazines, you know, and it's like, here's the products of the future. If you can do those kind of things where people say, wow, that's innovative, that's unique, that's different. This is a cool product. That will help your business in a way that you've never dreamed of. Can I tell you, one of the benefits of doing this show is I get to meet so many of my heroes and so many of these like, really exceptional businessmen and innovators and authors and all this stuff, right? And I there's some themes that I hear over and over, like listen more, okay? We've all been told since we were little kids, but these people that have achieved more than than others have been lit- better listeners. Like I can tell they live it more, so it's interesting that you've brought that up multiple times today. But the other one is, so one of my heroes is this guy, Richard Koch. He wrote a book yeah. called The 80-20 Principle. Right. and. I finally got to listen to that podcast. This oh, morning. okay. Fascinating. And, you know, he talks about this idea of don't try to be incrementally better than the other guy. Right. Try to be valuably different. Yeah. I hear that message over and over yeah. and over on the show. And now I feel like it's like I'm getting it in the bones. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like a true believer. Mm-hmm. My question for you is you look at the just extreme success you guys have had by being valuably different. Mm-hmm. Why are so many of us still so tempted to be like the other guy, but a little better? Partly, I, I really believe one of the big answers to that question is we don't know. We don't comprehend. We don't understand what that principle is or what it means. I call it the unfair advantage. You know, what gives you, you know, to be a Me Too product, I'd hate to be a car dealer. I don't know how they do it, honestly. You know, do you want the red one, the pink one, or the green one? You know, and do you want a Toyota, a Chevy, a Ford, a Saab? How do they do it? What would really give you an unfair advantage? Well, there's certain components that would do that. You know, like a patent is one of those. That's a clear one. A distribution channel. Do you have a better distribution channel? Are you better at service? Do your customers just love you? Do you make people feel really good and take really good care of them? You know? Yeah. I mean, you think about car dealerships. Like, what about my Chevy dealership versus your Chevy dealership? Right. That's got to be the worst. Right. The only thing I've got to do is, is, you know, slip my wrist on prices 
or somehow give you better service. And it has to be drastically better service, which is going to be tough when you're doing the exact same thing. Like you could, everybody thinks they've got great service, right? right? right. But how do you like demonstrable, like demonstrable, verifiably different right. service that's big enough to overcome? Well, so-and-so will give me 500 bucks off. Right. Is your service so good? But I'm willing to pay 500 bucks more for the same car because that guy's willing to go, that guy's willing to make even less money, yeah. you know? And like this idea of like, and I think, so I think part of it is, you know, there's a safety mechanism. Hey, if a bunch of other people did it and didn't die, I could probably do it too, mm-hmm. right? Or like all these other people are successful at doing that. I probably will be too, which may or, not be, may or may not be true, but it's an easy assumption is my guess. Right. My other guess, and I'd love for you to weigh in on this, is there's a lot of pain in coming up with something new and like you, tracking down the patents, doing the third-party verification, dealing with founders who there's infighting. Like there's a lot of pain with coming up with something valuably different. And even though the prize is so big, I think we're just hardwired to avoid struggle and pain. Well, can I get something that's good enough without the pain? I, I don't know. Tell me if you see it differently. Well, you might luck into it. <laughs> that's very sure. rare. Sure. Very rare. I don't, you know, that's, that is not a story that's told very often, but you know, it's like winning the lottery, but no, it takes hard work, a lot of intentional direction, right? And, and knowledge is power. The more, you know, the more powerful you are. And so gain the data, get the data, get the feedback. If you don't have the data, if you don't have the feedback, if you don't really know what the consumer wants, or what your cl- your customer, your patrons want, and and how they're get- and what they're going to pay for it, what it's worth, the airlock situation, you're hosed. So if you know that, if you really truly know that, you know when you start to see the reviews, when you start to see that third party validation where people say, "Wow, this thing really works. My skin looks so much better," or "I love this car dealer because he takes such good care of me." You know, I'll never go to anybody else. That that John. You know, I go in and see John and he teaches me like a queen. You know, that's the kind of thing. Better customer service, better management, more, better money, you know, more money. Money is power. You know, if the big guy, the, the elephant in the room, you know, it's kind of hard, hard to miss him. You know, and so there's a lot of things that give you that edge, that, that difference, right? And you just need to decide what is it? How do I, and then how do I beat the drum and wave the flag? And let people know about it. Yeah. But for me, I think about all this stuff and I think if you had come out with a different $15,000 machine, but you guys had better service than the other guy. It's so hard. It, it, it's, you could do it. But I mean, it's so and tough. people do it. People do it all the time. Yeah. Right? Where you guys come up with something like genuinely unheard of. Yeah. Brand new. Never Brand, seen before. Right? And and listen, there's the problem of like, you know, the thing about, you know, pioneers come back with arrows in their back. Sometimes being first isn't the best because yeah. there's so much learning. Yeah. Right. But like this idea of like, can you really can you really come up with something that is, again, very useful and very unlike anything else and somewhat protectable? Right. I don't know if that's a word. Right. <laughs> Defensible. Right. Right. You know, Warren Buffett calls it having a durable competitive advantage. Right. Right. He likes... Something that's almost like monopolistic, right? Well, and well, it has a big moats and walls around this castle. And that's it. How do you do that? That's a hard thing to do. The other question, Jess, that you ask with that question is, is it a one-trick pony? Is this a one and done? Once somebody buys it, they never buy another one. Well, 
you know, we had to come up with consumables. You know, you got the razor and the razor blade. Well, the first thing, this is the disc. I mean, look at that packaging. This was made in my basement, literally, because we didn't we didn't have the money. This goes in the. This is the yeah, little one of the discs. Those are the very first ones. <laughs> this, this reminds me of like cheap packaging, stapled with a staple, and it's just a plastic bag. But that's the razor blade. Which is the funny. Disc. This reminds me of like shop class in high school. The little tiny disc sander, right? But like just a hundred times, a hundred times smaller, or for your skin. Yeah, but. The the point is, did you guys did you guys print this paper and staple it yourself? Yeah, yeah. that's so awesome. Yeah, well, I was like, I'm working out of my mom's basement. It's like we're testing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it looks okay, but you know, this sold for fifteen bucks. These things cost three cents a piece. So I mean, there's nice a margin. That, that, yeah, so that's good margin. But you know, then you expand. Can you expand taking what you just talked about? Can you now expand that to other products? Can you take an OGO bag, a locker bag, and expand it to a whole line of bags? And will people buy it? And what kind of branding? Then you get into branding. You know, what kind of branding can you do? Can you build a brand around that? Let me ask you this. OGO, you know, I grew up an action sports kid, right? Mm -hmm. And OGO, especially like late 90s, OGO was cool for snowboarders. They they were all using OGO stuff. They were, you know, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm interested because... You know, my my cynical nature, I look at a lot of marketers who want to talk about brand as like just people who don't want to have accountability for their work. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, like that's what I that's what I feel like a lot of them are. And then there are these certain folks that I meet sometimes who they treat it more like a science, like they genuinely have created a feeling in a customer mind when your name and logo comes up and yeah. and like. And they get a premium for their product as a result. In your in your experience, what's the difference between the methodologies of the folks who want to do, they want to do something exciting, they want to do something that people think they're cool, versus those few people that really can build brand that that actually delivers the premium? Well, in answer to your question, I think it's your intentions. Mm. It, it's intentional. It's it, if that that is your mission, that is your goal. Like with, with PMD, it's brilliant confidence. Our, we came up with that very early on and said, look, we, what we want is we want people, women and men, to feel confident about their body, to have brilliant confidence about feeling good, looking good. I mean, we spend so much time primping and makeup and hair and nails and everything that goes along with the way we, our appearance, clothing, all of that. So it, yeah. it like, why a, do we have collars on our shirts? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why are we not just in hey, shorts and t-shirts? Jess, whoever invented the tie should be shot. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> anyway, you have to be intentional about that. Well, what is it you're passionate about? What do you care about? What do you want to build as a brand? What do you want to be known for? I mean, you've talked about this in some of your podcasts with with Apple, and I mean, people. You you drew the the comparison. Would somebody pay a thousand dollars for a no name phone that's exactly like an Apple? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't because it changes how they feel about themselves. It changes the way they feel about themselves. They're going to buy a Samsung or an Apple. They might buy a Google or some other phone, but they're not going to spend twelve hundred bucks for it or a thousand bucks. They won't. They're paying for the name. They're paying for the feeling. They're paying for what it stands for. You know, it's so funny. I almost paid like $1,600 for a smartphone. And I think that that is the biggest reason. Uh, I have one of these like fancy movie cameras called a Red that they're like, you know, mm-hmm. they shoot Lord of the Rings on or the, those kind of movies, right? Mm-hmm. And Red came out with a phone. 
Oh. And it was supposed to interface. It was supposed to be all this stuff. And it had 3D built in. And and really, when I think about why I was buying it, like, I hoped it had those capabilities. And I think it felt cool. Like, like you know, why is it when we buy fancy cars, we really like having the car logo keychain too? <laughs> Have you seen this? Have you seen the size of a Ferrari key? No, they are large, really, <laughs> right? And like, <laughs> it's large for a large ego. But I basically was ignoring so many of the reviews, trying to talk myself into it, because, and I think it's mostly because of the way it was going to make yeah. me feel about myself. And then the, the reviews were just so bad yeah. that I was like, I I couldn't quit lying to myself about this being a smart choice. Well, it's good. It's good you at least watched the warning signs and you paid attention. So. You've had the big ups, the big downs, had this whole career in product. What questions should we be asking ourselves? Well, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of questions. And, you know, I, I, I think the, the very, very first question you should be asking is why would people want this? Whether it's a service or a product, you know, whatever it is that you're offering, whatever your idea is, whatever your invention is, Shark Tank's asking the same question on there. Why would people want this? In a really, truly, what would what will it do for me? Why would I use this? Why would I want this service? And and then the question is, how valuable is it to me? What what will I be? What am I willing to pay for it? Because what I'm willing to pay for it, and how badly I want it, what I'm willing to pay for it will demonstrate is it profitable? Because then you have to ask the question, what does it cost? How much does it really cost? And when I say how much does it cost, I mean how much does it really cost? Distribution, advertising. Yeah, exactly. Retail markup. The, the, the factory in Taiwan or Vietnam or Mexico or Salt Lake City, they'll make it for you for 10 bucks. okay? But then you've got shipping. You've got all these, you know, customs, duty, taxes, marketing, packaging. Paying your accountant. Yeah, all your overhead, what does it really cost me to make this product? Because then, then you once you know that, then you have to say, well, then, all right, I don't have a business. Because like the airlock, if it's $24 and it costs me $14 to make it, there is no business. Learn that up front. Find that out up front. Ask those questions. Can I get protection? Do I have better distribution? Where am I, How am I going to distribute this? How am I going to demonstrate it? You know, who? where's my money coming from? What What if I do hit it big and the growth goes nuts? How do I grow? That's a problem. We were on Good Morning America one morning with a deal of the day, and we said, well, we've got about 25,000 units that we can give you. Well, by the time Chicago time came, we were sold out. And the lady calls, hey, we're, we're in trouble. We're sold out. We've sold 20, 25,000 units in the first hour, hour and a half. And we haven't even hit mountain time or California time. Well, that's a problem. We had to deal with it. We did. We took back orders in you know that day, and and the interesting thing part about that is you got instant credit card money off the internet. Money went in the bank the day you shipped it. So within three days, we had all that money in the bank. Far cry from Ogio. You got to ask yourself those questions. What's your cash flow? How's the cash going to flow? How do you get this? There are so many questions, but you begin with, why would people want this? How much are they willing to pay for it? And how much does it really cost me to deliver it? I love it. Uh, I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes that I re-listen to multiple times. I feel like there's so many nuggets in this one. What's the website for for PMD? It's, it's, it's trypmd.com. Like T-R-Y. T-R-Y. Trypmd.com. Okay. Yeah. 
people want to check it out. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thanks for thanks for making time for this. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thanks for asking me. I mean, I look at some of your, the people you uh, talk to. I'm I am a small little fish in a giant ocean with some of these big boys, but I have learned a few things that have been valuable lessons, and it's it's an honor to be on on this podcast with you. Bro, we appreciate you making the time. Bye, everyone.